place to you know, talk about or write about those things. So, in a way, my right, my experience, who I am, what I do, my positions I can hold, and I get to be a board everybody online have we yep. all right sorry about that everybody it's Stephen Ryan here uh, 
buggering up everything yet again. <laughs> Good morning to the first of the garden programs for 2022. Uh, I'm Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants, Mount Macedon, and co-host of the Horticulturalist YouTube channel. And this morning in the studio, we've got actually quite a full contingent this morning. Um, I will start, I think, at one end with Karen Sutherland from uh, Edible Eden Designs. Good morning, Karen. Morning, Stephen. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. Good. Glad to hear it. <sighs> I'm not. I'm still trying to breathe. <laughs> um, so calm. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to calm down. I'm trying to calm down. Um, Jane Tonkin, my dear friend Jane, how are you this morning from I'm, Tonkin Bulbs? I'm actually a lot better than you, Stephen. <laughs> um, no, I'm very well, thank you. And good. you have held your composure. Just take a deep breath and yes. we'll be all good. All right. Yeah. All right, we, we, we will be. I think we're, yeah. we're to air now and everything seems to be going along okay. all right. Uh, People so, were getting their cup of coffee. so they Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll forgive me eventually. Just remember, we're all volunteers. Um, and Tim Sanson from the um, Diggers Club. Good morning, Tim. Good How morning, are you? Stephen. Good morning, everyone. So we're all here in the studio this morning. We're all here to answer all your questions. So certainly, you know, keep it in mind. Give us a ring when you uh, have a chance. We've got our off-air line. Uh, in place so we can take take calls from people. Um, I might see if I can, uh, I'll start off with the phone numbers so that people can get themselves organised. If you want to talk to us, ring 94190155. If you want to text us, you can text us on 043308. Nope, I've blown that. It's not. My, my eyesight's bad this morning. It's 0488809855. So if you want to um, text us a message that we can answer for you, please don't hesitate to do that. Um, so be online with us. That would be good. And I have an announcement here somewhere if I can find it. Um, just give me a second. Ah, here we go. Um, for anybody who is interested... Uh, Open Gardens Victoria um, uh, running a, a Zoom seminar with um, Simon Rickard from Trentham. Uh, now, it's a fabulous online masterclass series with Simon. Um, the first session was a huge success and apparently you can go back and deal with the first session if you haven't joined already. There are two more masterclass dates to come. These masterclasses consist of 30-minute live talk followed by a pre-recorded virtual tour of his inspiring garden, which features plants sourced from all four corners of the globe. And there will be a 30-minute Q&A session uh, at the end. Brief notes will be provided for all sessions. All sessions are from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Uh, the next one coming up is Thursday, the 17th of March. So it's late summer uh, in the garden. And the following up follow-up one will be Thursday the 28th of July, which will be the winter. Uh, very cold at Trenton then. <laughs> yes. Well, luckily yes. it's virtual. Yes. You, can do it from, <laughs> you can do it from the fireside at home. Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, but but Simon better. will be standing there in gloves and a beanie. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, that's right. Exactly. Is that at nine? What time was it again? At 7.30 to 9 p.m. 
So in July, it's going to be in the dark with a head torch? I'm assuming that he's pre-recorded the uh, the actual garden segment there. Um, so if you're interested in going on board or coming on board, uh, go to the Open Gardens Victoria website for more information and to book and to book your spot in these masterclasses. So that should be great fun. We had Simon along to our local horticultural society last week to do a talk, and he's always engaging, always fun, always got something interesting. Great to Great knowledge too. Yeah. So if you're interested in the masterclasses, go online to Open Gardens Victoria. Victoria, and follow all of the things that you have to follow to get to where you want to be. Um, so that was why, <coughs> excuse me, my almost one and only announcement and nobody else has got any upcoming I've, events or I've anything? I've got a couple if that's okay. Yeah, of course it um, is, Jane, of course. Okay, so I'm a part of the Alpine Garden Society and Fernie Creek Horticultural yep. Society, so I figure that it's my duty to... Yell out what they're doing. Um, Saturday, the 26th of February, the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria having their buy, swap, and sell. Now, instead of being at the hall next to the Alinda Pool, they are using the Fernie Creek um, Hall, which is the 100 Hilton Road in Sassafras. And it only runs for um, two or three hours, but what it is, is that all the members of the AGS actually sort of um, tip out a few pots and they bring along things that they would like to sell or um, to swap and they also buy things. The advantage of it being open to the public that are not members is that you can find some amazing things that you won't find anywhere on anybody's list and things. Exactly. For example, there was a gentleman there last year selling tech affiliates for $10 each. <laughs> How dare they? I know. So <laughs> that's chili and blue crocus. Google that one, everyone. Yeah. Um, and then after that on... I thought you would have bought them all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I should have in hindsight. But anyway, um, then the Fernie Creek Plant Collectors Expo is on the weekend of the 5th and 6th of March and that runs from 10 to 4pm each day. And again, that's at the Fernie Creek Horticultural Society rooms at 100 Hilton Road in Sassafras. Members are free. Visitors only cost you $10 entry. Uh, under 15 is free, but you must wear a face mask and be fully vaccinated, please. Yeah. And again, there is storeholders there that you won't see anywhere else, like Alan Ayton with all his Alpine yummies. Mm-hmm. Fabulous human as well, which makes it even better to buy something. Um, and Craig Gardner, he does a lot in his backyard on uh, South African yummies. Like he must have over a hundred different gladiolus and things. Yeah, yeah amazing um, collection. Yeah, and he's a fabulous human too. And both a wealth of knowledge that um, you can you can just stand there for hours and talk to these people. So it, it's a good fun event. And the thing is that we're allowed out for a little bit. So can we just enjoy it while we can? <laughs> while we can, <laughs> while we yeah, can no, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Um, and then someone else that'll be there, I think, is Gary and Sue Reed from Allen's Flats. Ah, yes. And the Santa Claus of yeah, gardening. Yeah, the Santa Claus. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. yeah. And he and he is gentle and beautiful and, yeah. and lovely as well. So Santa Claus of gardening, yeah. um, wealth of knowledge on all sorts of different South African and South American type bulbs that you can buy as well. And lots of other planty people. I think your minor rare plants will be there. Um, so just a great... Are you op- going to have a presence there? Oh, look, I, I, I am. So yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Just blow your own trouble. Yes, yeah, so I'll be there. So come and say hello, introduce yourself. Um, it's a good fun event. Yeah. 
And then the one after that at the end of March is the big Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. Now, yeah. just warning people that hasn't been on for two years, so it could be something super amazing. Yep. But I think you actually have to order tickets online this year. You can't just rock up to the gate. And that's all the mm. COVID policy yeah. type yeah. of stuff going on. And I'll be there too. Goodness yeah. me, goodness. <laughs> Tim's putting his finger up, which yeah. probably means you've got a, something you want to tell us about. I do, Stephen. Yeah. And chimes in with that with uh, Mifkis. So Diggers will be doing a, our, um, uh, our stall at Mifkis this year. Good. Uh, so it's, you know, we're pulling together, trying to grow all the pumpkins for the pumpkin stack at the moment. Oh, it's amazing if you haven't seen yeah. the pumpkin stack before. <laughs> I know, but it's... It's a touch and go this year whether we're going to get enough. It's been oh. a difficult year to get some been fruit. A bizarre it was a really year difficult year to start. So yeah. we, Should we put a hello out if anyone's got oh, absolutely. Spare pumpkins? If you've got pumpkins, <laughs> yeah. please get in yeah. touch with me at Diggers, yeah. uh, um, and I will happily take a truckload because we'll take as many as we can. It's amazing how many you need to create the, the pumpkin stack. So we've got a couple of Plan A, Plan B, Plan C on yeah. that. So we will we'll be at Mifkis too and looking. Are forward. you painting polystyrene pumpkins? <laughs> well, well, we did one, as you know, all know, and many um, other gardeners will have seen it a few years ago. I think it was 2015 when we did the big one. And it was actually built on a big frame. So it's not solid pumpkins all the way to the ground. Yeah. Because, <laughs> sorry, <Really>? sorry. <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> but there was something in excess of 500 or something pumpkins in that oh, stack. So, oh, okay. And so we've, we've got some growing in a couple of remote properties and we're getting there. So fingers crossed on that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really – and we've teamed up with um, the Sustainable Landscape Company, which is um, the same organisation that, that are doing the Melbourne Sky Farm. Oh, right. Which is the um, the food cubes and uh, the urban farm on top of the car park on Southbank, um, which they had a launch well, a month or two ago. So we teamed up with them. It's a bit of a, a, a crossover between what's old is new. So it's old heirloom varieties, uh, heirloom vegetables with a sort of modern urban ag setting. Um, so we're teamed up with them and we'll do some talks and um, presentations with them. Fantastic. The other thing we're doing during that week, which is April the 1st, uh, we are, and this is hot off the press, so we haven't oh. actually announced this yet. Um, but we, it's in our, it's, our magazine is currently at the printers and it will be released in there. Um, but we're doing a, um, a, a tree conference um, day um, on the 1st, which is uh, We Speak for the Trees is the topic, which is chiming in with our new book. Um, so we've, and this is going to be held at the Botanic Gardens at the Mueller Hall. Uh, where, we, where we'll have a few guest speakers like uh, Greg Moore from ex-University of Melbourne, John Fordham, who's a tree expert, uh, Claire Hart, who's also, she works at the Melbourne Botanic Gardens, Clive Blazy, the author of the book. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be talking about how trees contribute or how trees can contribute um, in, in a gardener's context to some climate mitigation, best trees to choose, um, tree accounting, those sorts of things about yep. what we can do in terms of carbon sequestration. Fantastic. So that's April the 1st, which is the Friday of that's Mifkis because Mifkis mm. runs from the Wednesday through to the Sunday. And the Friday is the twilight session. So oh, yeah. we're running that event at the Melbourne Botanic Gardens during the morning Fantastic. or during the day and then people can do both. Oh, come to And they can go to the twilight no, event yeah. after Perfect. that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Nice tie-in. There's a lot starting to happen. Yeah. Karen, yeah. you've got... Oh, I realised yeah. I do yeah. have something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've got another up. thing as well, so here we go. <laughs> well, I've got a you know. Yeah. <laughs> My brain finally got there. <laughs> Um, I'm having a mini pop-up plant sale at my house on... Um, I'm starting to be back in Melbourne again. So Saturday the 12th of March yep. from um, one... I haven't advertised it either. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we are advertising it. Exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
1 p.m. till 5 p.m. Yeah, so one p- at 22 Lockenvar Street, Pasco Bell South. And Fantastic. they can check out any details on Edible Eden. That's the Labor Day weekend, I think. That, it is, yeah. actually. Yeah, so maybe risky, but oh, look, it just suited. So. What yeah. sort of things do you think? Oh, Tempt so, us. So mainly some interesting bushfeed plants. So Pistanthera incisor, Pistanthera rotundifolia, um, Lots and lots and lots of, which I didn't bring a twig, um, sprig because they're flowering, midgen berries. So nice. heaps of berries. What else? A few other little bits and pieces. Some unusual things like maybe some wattles for seed production. Uh, uh, a few, oh, a few native mints. Any, um, lots of things that are suitable for urban gardens, really, yep. and for pots and for bush tree gardens for school. Fantastic. And uh, tied in with that, we've been um, adverti- started to advertise for the first time in Organic Gardener last mm-hmm. issue. And got a little bit in the marketplace this month, so a bit exciting because I'm not usually that, you know, I'm so tiny, tiny. Yeah. And so this is part You've of You've become my... proactive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> You're a real business L- Launching into the world of marketing. Bush food garden signs. So, yeah, mm. they've been developing for a long time and they take a lot of work to get together. Yeah. Because they're like little mini, they're like, they're like the bit in Organic Gardener, which I often write, is plant, where you mm. have to sum up a plant in, you know, 120 words and just slash it down to this bare <laughs> yeah. minimum. So they're like that um, for schools and community gardens oh. to use. So, yeah. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that yes, sounds good. Go. All right. We have had a, qu- a text message come through, which we probably should deal with now. And then I'll go Oh, it's on good and... to know that we're on. That yeah. People are listening. <laughs> They've probably just got their phone on on, <laughs> on redial, you know. So, um, now, Anne would like to know what to do with a large metal pot. Um, it would be good if she rang in and told us a little bit more, though, because she's got a very large metal pot. She hasn't told us where it's going to be standing, whether it's going to be in sun or shade. Um, and I think we do need some more details. So well, it doesn't really matter whether it's metal or any other. No, it right? shouldn't make much yeah, difference as far as you know, yeah. plants growing in it. If it's a large pot, mm. it should be you should be able to grow things in it. But it will be more a matter of where, in fact, you're going to place the pot. If it's going to be in the sun, a big pot might be a good place for a citrus tree or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, if it's in the shade, well, who knows? You might. It might be better to have a rhododendron in it or a camellia or something. So, uh, and if you can ring us back and actually talk to us online, that would be really helpful because we can then get all of the and, de- and definitive details. Drainage holes, hopefully she will. Well, that's the other thing we need to know because otherwise, <laughs> at least one. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise water lilies. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yes. yes, that could yes. work. Now, I've actually got something that's this is a bit preemptive as well, although there is now a little bit online and on the um, website for the Mount Macedon District Horticultural Society, but the Mount Macedon Society is turning a hundred this year. Oh, wow. Which is quite impressive. Um, and we will be having a big dinner later in the year, but that'll be mainly for dignitaries and members and things. But what we are doing this autumn, uh, we're aligning with the local Macedon Rangers Shire who want to run a whole pile of autumn festivals and events around the Shire. And ours will start with our local flower show on the last weekend in March, which is the 26th and 27th, I think, um, which will be at the Mount Macedon 
golf club and horticultural hall, and that will be the sort of competitive flower show. So people have their carrots and their rhubarb and their their best day. You're all that sort of stuff. A real old fashioned best in show. Yeah, yeah. best in show. Yes, yes. I got best fruit in show once. Um, <laughs> oh, we're going to save that story for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, anyhow, so it's starting with that, and then throughout April there will be all sorts of events going on. There's going to be a botanic art show that will run each weekend. And also on the Tuesdays, because the artists will be there in residence on the Tuesday, so you can go and look at the artworks and you can also see them working. Um, we will be doing a big um, one-day um, seminar with uh, Simon Rickart, Michael McCoy and myself. Um, um, and the date of which is the 20th of, of April. I'm remembering all this stuff off the top of my head, folks. Um, uh, there will also be beginners and intermediate classes of botanic art run through that period. And John Pastorizzi Panol is one of the teachers and he's a world-renowned botanic artist. Um, so there's a whole range of events going on throughout that. There will be also some workshops. I think I might be doing one on plant propping. Um, and there'll be other workshops that haven't been sort of completely sort of lined up yet. Yep. I better not say who it's going to be until we ask them. <laughs> <laughs> but right through April there will be all these events. Now, most of the events you can book on Try Booking. Some of them are already up there. Uh, I think the one with Michael, Simon and I will be going up this week on Try Booking. That would uh, be excellent. But, you know, some of the other events are already being um, advertised there so you can go in and book your tickets for it. And so it's going to be a big month. One way or the other. So there'll be lots yeah. and lots going on around Mount Macedon and its surrounds. So there you go. Great excuse for a day out anyway, Steve. Well, of course it is. Of course it is. Um, Plus there's this little nursery up there that I know of. Oh, it's yeah, called, I um, believe. Dix I have no idea what it's called. Now, Dixonia Anne, rare plants. Anne has actually called in. So um, let's see if we can bring Anne up. Oh. Are you there, Anne? Hi, yes, I am. Ah, good. Thank you, Anne. Uh, how are you this morning? Okay, I'm a bit scared about being ready. Oh, come on, come on, come on. We're all friends here. <laughs> now, we need some details, Anne, on your big pot. Oh, it's awesome. It's a barrel mm -hmm. that's 80 centimetres tall, mm -hmm. about 40, 50 centimetres wide. There's mm -hmm. no holes in it. It's very... It's very um, Beat up and it has got lots of atmosphere. Yeah. So I'm not sure where I want to put it or um, would it be a safe thing to try and grow blackberries in? Um, well, for and, a start, you'll need or, holes. Right. Okay. You, you will definitely need to put drainage holes in it, uh, and I'd put more than one. Um, so you'll have to drill it out or get somebody to drill it out for you with some drainage holes. Um, but it sounds big enough. What do you think, Tim? For it certainly sounds yeah. big enough. I mean, the, the range is vast. Yes. <laughs> um, the other thing I'd say, yeah, holes definitely. Um, and then it comes back to the media that goes into it, yeah. which is the mix, the, mm. the potting mix. So um, not dirt, not soil. Um, yeah. Go with a... a preparation of potting mix you can get organic versions you can get standard versions but you'll that way you'll get best drainage and nutrition you can make your own but it's a bit more technical yep um so that the substrate that goes into it and then it's where's it going to go is it on the, like you were talking about before is it on a sunny side of the house yeah. is it on the shady side well, and that'll determine what yeah, we're after certainly if it's in a sunny aspect it does allow you the possibility to grow all sorts of edibles i guess because mm. most most plants that you eat 
do tend to grow better if they've got some sun. Uh, in fact, you'd probably agree with me, Karen, it's often hard to find things that you can grow that you can eat that will cope with shade. Oh, well, that's all, that's a whole stack of different bush foods. So you yeah. could, if it's in the shade, you could put in a lemon myrtle I or a, any of the pastantheras. So yeah. rotundifolia is probably slightly better in a bit of shade. If it was a bit bigger, you could, or if it's in a low spot where you don't need any height, you could put a nice little selection of midgen berries, like because they fruit when they're be they fruit better when they grow together. Yeah. yeah. Um, so cinnamon myrtle also. So they're actually they're actually really useful. Over the years, when consulting people have asked, oh, what can I put on my shady veranda as a specimen tree?" And I always yeah. really struggled. I mean, kumquats kind of just mm. make the grain, yeah. but then sometimes get a bit shabby over the years and. Really, some of those native things, especially lemon myrtle, for instance, just because it's such a useful plant yeah. for a variety of different kinds of cooking. Um, but, yeah, otherwise in the sun, I'd have to say things like dwarf apple trees or, or maybe columna apples, mm. some of the new yeah. varieties. Like, um, I think it's pom pink, unless I've renamed it, which is a very funny name, but... Um, they do give harmony. things weird names these days. <laughs> so sometimes I think they should sit down and think it through before yeah. they, <laughs> before they, they do. <laughs> but in a different way than you think. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe they do, Tim. I don't know. So does that give you some help, Anne? Yes, thank you. All right. Well, I hope hope whatever you decide to do with your big barrel, and, and I have to say, you know, the sky's the limit in some ways when you've got a big container. Uh, there's all sorts of things you could grow. Good luck, Anne. Awesome, thank you. That's a pleasure. We'll catch up. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, I'll get used to this thing eventually. <laughs> All right. Um, don't forget, anybody, if you want to ring in and talk to us on air, it's 94190155. And the off-air uh, text uh, line is 0488809855. So do get on the blower and come get in touch with us. I mean, we've gone to all the effort to be here. The least you can do is come and engage with us a bit, maybe. Get like, out of bed. Yes, yes. Well, you can do it from there. Yeah, don't have to get out of bed. Yeah, don't That's even true. need to get out of bed, yes. So, um, yes, give us a ring, have a chat to us. Remember, this is the first gardening program for the year, so let's all engage with each other and get something happening that will be exciting and interesting for people. And speaking of which... I've been looking through the screen over here at, uh, sorry, Jane, not you, but at, oh, thanks. Uh, uh, at, sorry, at those lovely flowers you've brought along. Would you like to tell us what, a little um, bit about one or two? Anything in particular? That you well, I like the little red one, but then I'm a very red sort of person. person. So, yep. yeah, I, yep. I like the little red one. So yep. I didn't see that one way down so there. Um, so let's start with that okay. one. So what Stephen's looking at is um, Bessera elegans. So it is a corm from... Mexico, mm -hmm. so Southern America, um, very similar family, like Iridaceae type family as Tigridias and like, so your jockey's caps, which I've got in here as well. Um, I don't know what Stephen's doing to me right no, now. No, I don't know what um, Stephen's doing either. But this one is not frost tolerant. Although it's dormant over the winter, you just have to watch a late frost when it starts to come up in early summer. Um, and make sure that it's really well drained. So I recommend that you put it on a bed of gravel when you're planting the corn, um, which prevents it from rotting. So a nice, full, sunny position. So it's Bessera, and common name is Coral Bells. Um, so it's a beautiful scarlet red um, nodding flower with... Um, these beautiful creamy white stripes on the inside. It's something that it's very is elegant. very, very yeah. rare in Australia. 
and um, looking at to it, come across. Looking yeah. at it, you look at it from the top and it's just red, but then you have a look mm. underneath and yeah. these petals are amazing. Yeah. They've got it's this beautiful. beautiful stripe in them. Yeah, lovely little bowl. So does it multiply does reasonably it, quickly? It or doesn't multiply. Like it'll probably make one little pup on the side of the corn um, each year if you're lucky. Ah, right. um, but it can be a little bit finicky. But that's what I love. I, th- mm. I think that when you find something that's a little bit more difficult and you have success with it, it... Um, it's a good thing. Well, yes. So, but it will pump, do. Pump. It will do well in sort of more Melbourne climates. You might be a bit cold at Macedon. Yeah, I've tried um, Besser uh, yeah. up at Macedon, and um, it just faded out on me eventually. But I'm in the Dandenong Ranges. If that gives anyone an indication of sort of the climate that it will tolerate, but anywhere like up around Simon Rickards at Trentham and mm. and where Stephen is, a tad bit cold. Um, yeah. You could grow it in a um, bulb frame if you've got a poly tunnel or something yeah. like that. What about um, in what about closer to the coast? I mean, you said yes, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's going to um, be yeah, happy just, territory. Yeah, it's yeah. just that cold um, yeah. winters and things like that that it doesn't particularly like. No. But, yeah. So it won't help wearing a sombrero and a poncho. <laughs> um, and, and I suppose. It, look, it's beautiful on, enough on its own without a sombrero. No, but I, was I can of see me. where you go. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, just yeah. to kid it yeah, that, to, it's, yeah. that it's in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But, exactly. Um, sorry, yeah. I can't. No, help that's myself. fine. I'm sorry. It's a bit early for me. I'm joking, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. Uh, dear. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lovely little bulb. I'm very, very taken with it, and I have tried it, and yes, I have lost it, but anyhow, um, and it's still Bessera, which is nice yeah. to know. It hasn't so, changed. Oh, so many things are changing at the moment. It's almost there is a purple version um, that I know a couple of people in the Fernie Creek Garden Group have got. Um, I'm yet to attain my grubby little mitts on yeah. one of those, but um, that that's a sort of, you know, you've got you to have holy grails of things. Of course and, you um, do. There's always the yeah. one thing you want that you haven't yeah. got in your collection yeah. I, yet. I, you know. Even though I can't grow everything, I, I try. Um, no. So... Yeah, that's yeah. all part of the fun. Just something exciting. So just if you're interested in something different, have a look at the Bessera. Yeah. And I'm assuming you sell it on a semi-regular basis? Um, I haven't for quite some time, but maybe this winter. Yeah, so, right. um, yeah, it's just taken a while to build up stock again because um, we had a bit of a disaster in the shed with rats and things one year oh. and stuff. So. Yes. Um, bane of Jane's life with yes. bulbs, but anyway. Uh, yes, they are little beggars for that, yeah. aren't they? Bane yes. of everybody's. Yeah. Uh, they're horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Do they serve a purpose? No. They probably do. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. good at apparently spreading plague, <laughs> but anyhow. Uh, which is a function people. in yeah. biology. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's right. It gets rid of a few million people and stuff, you know. Oh, dear. All right. Now, um, Karen, you oh. were talking about some of your bush foods. Yeah, I've got a couple of. Things, oh, I could um, do a, um, a virtual smell test. Yeah, <laughs> a virtual smell test. Very yeah. useful on radio. Yeah, scratch and sniff um, on the now radio. The, <laughs> the prostranthras, we always talk about them as being attractive oh, wow. shrubs for the garden, but they are quite literally a condiment if you need them, aren't they? They, they are. And yeah. look, both of them to me, I just kind of use them the same way. And it's mm. interesting just to do one after the other, that's all. So that's mm. the, they've just got a slight bit of difference. Rotundifolia, mm. oh, yeah. which is native to outskirts of Melbourne, you know, in sizes more from New South Wales. Oh, right. But they still both seem to grow here, okay? In sizes more sort of camphor. I, I quite, look, it's yeah. really, really interesting. When I do talks, I'll often take mm. these and pass them around, well, you know, two years ago, let's say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably not yeah, meant yeah. to do it anymore. <laughs> really recent, but anyway, mm. pass them around to people. Thank you. And, um, it was interesting. People either liked one or the other. They were in one camp or the other. It was funny. But they are useful in the same way to me. So when I first started using them, I thought, oh, these are so strong. What on earth am I going to do with, you know, supposedly you can eat them. So I put them into herb butter. So just like mm. you'd make any other herb butter. 
And so, you know, wash them, dry them, take the leaves off the stems, chop finely, put into butter or a butter alternative, whatever you're having, and put in the fridge for an hour or so, and, you know, slightly, slightly softened at first. And all the oils of the butter or whatever you're using modify that flavour, modify that really strong camphor flavour. Mm. Or it's menthol, actually, and apparently these two species and maybe one other are the only two that are edible, main ones that are edible because they have so much menthol in them. And so they're used in Indigenous um, cultures for um, smelling to clear a stuffy nose. So it's okay. like, you know, native mix vapor rub and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not very romantic sounding, but, you know, it's really not really refreshing. It's really better nice. than a big stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice in a um, garden. And, of course, in... Oh, yeah, so going back to the herb butter, then you can tr make some of that and put it over vegetable with steamed veggies or over some pasta or over... It goes really well with red meat. Mm. Doesn't doesn't seem to go... They're so strong, they don't really go well with fish, but they go mm. with eggplant, red meat veggies, pasta, bread, yeah. so you can experiment. And I've even had people that have told me that they can be cooked, that they've put sprigs um, underneath quinces when they're baking them or with oh. rhubarb baked or cooked slowly, which is a really innovative use. So Yeah, yeah. fascinating. Experimenting. Yeah. Mm. Sounds so, good. And that, they're also known as the Christmas bush, aren't they? Like, um, they're, they're, there's a different species yeah. from, uh, I think, the Upper Way. Yes, yeah, yes. Pro, uh, Prostranthra lasianthos, yeah. the Victorian Christmas Beautiful. bush. Beautiful flowers. It's lovely flowers. It's not a great garden plant, though, I find. It becomes rangy and leggy quite yep. young. It doesn't mm. last yep. long as an attractive looking shrub. I guess with a fair bit of constant pruning, you could probably keep it a bit compact and looking all it looks right. It's great in the bush when it's out. But yeah, in the bush, yeah. it's fabulous. Yeah. All around Mount Nasset and the whole mm. bush is mm. just a mass of white with little mauve yeah. speckles in it all over yeah. the place about Christmas time. Although I think it was a week or two late this year. Oh, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Like everything. Post Christmas bush. Yeah, it's post Christmas bush, yes. Um, New Year's bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're all nice sensory plants, though, too, including the yeah. anthers. Like nice okay. to have in a garden near a pathway or near a window, and when the rain falls on them, you, you'd know that's yeah. from your area. It's just a beautiful smell. It is. It's lovely. Mm. Very, very nice indeed. Tim's holding up a little branch of something. <laughs> as, as, as everyone at home can see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this, uh, just um, continuing on that, this, the, this, the um, theme of scented plants, this is, this is sal Salvia apiana, yeah. which is the, the white sage, which is a Californian native um, I brought this in uh, for a, a different reason, actually, but it's a very pungent um, foliage. Uh, it has a has a pass it around. Yeah, this, oh wow! This this is and, and the reason I brought Ooh. this in because I thought it's 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 stronger than what you think. It's, sorry. Yeah. This has got a um, a discussion point that I thought would be interesting to raise. Yeah. We listed this plant last spring, uh, and it I got a couple of or one particular email from a, a woman who was a bit upset that we listed it. And I wanted to talk about yeah. it. this is this is the plant that's used as the smudging sage. Or yeah, it's the one they make the, the smoking and the sage. Smoke. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a uh, I guess it was a uh, an alert that we were uh, it was some sort of cultural appropriation because this is a closed ceremony plant used by Native American Indians. Ah, yes. Um, which I thought was an interesting point to discuss um, because to me this this plant is we don't recommend it you know we don't we don't say that this is something you know we don't recommend its its use in in a, in a ceremony yeah. or such but it's a really fascinating plant mm. to grow it's got a really strong scent uh, even just to, as as we've experienced here you just rub the the, the mm. foliage and it's got this wonderful sort of cleansing um, scent but but we're not using it in a cultural context we're mm. just saying it's a great garden plant it's super drought tolerant it loves the sun uh, and it's a, and it's a really you know popular garden plant 
Should we list it? Is there, you know, should is this something? Have we transgressed some sort of cultural appropriation? I'm interested in what the panel thinks and what other people think. Well, I wouldn't have thought so as a garden plant. I mean, if you were going to start having smoking ceremonies and you know wearing um, uh, North American Indian yeah. clothes and yeah. things, that would be appropriation as far as I'm concerned. Well, that was that was my position yeah. too. I think it was, but it was it was quite deliberate mm. that we should stop listing this plant. Um, but then I thought that opens up a whole. I mean, there's so many yeah. plants out there in well, the world. Well, in fact, that we a lot use. of our uh, Australian native plants then would have strong yeah, cultural be, uh, yeah. backgrounds with mm, our yeah. indigenous people. Same sort people. of smoking ceremonies mm. here with yes, um, well, the, so absolutely. So, and a lot of that's acacias and things like that. You, you can't you can't stop selling our Australian natives either because that's that's how we preserve things. Mm. That's and, and I think and I think too, by yeah. diggers selling mm. this, it it's preserving it for. Um, a long time, whereas yeah. if if only a certain collective are, are selling or propagating it, well, you run the risk of it not being here at all. Well, yeah. and apparently it's under significant harvest pressure in the US. I could imagine. Wild yeah. harvest yeah. pressure, and, and there's yeah. lots of issues there. I mean, yeah. you know, and there's people there for harvesting it and bundling it up and selling it as smudging sage. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is a that's a, an abuse of a cultural yeah. heritage. Yeah. It does raise another interesting yeah. point too, of course, if something's seriously under threat in the wild in another country mm. and yet we happen to have it here and doing, well, dare I say some plants actually go a bit feral here mm. <laughs> that you know, aren't in their natural habitat. Um, uh, there's a classic example of that. There's a plant from South Africa called Casmanthi bicolor, which is a tall Watsonia-like plant mm. with tubular orange flowers on it. Now, until quite recently, they hadn't found any in the wild for yonks and yonks and yonks and yonks. So they actually thought it was extinct in the wild. They have actually found something that they think might be a wild population of it, but only very small quantities. Here, the damn thing can go absolutely nuts. Uh, I've got it in the garden at home and I cut the flower heads off as soon as it finishes so it can't go to seed because it'll self-seed itself all over my garden. Um, the plant is perfectly safely happy here in Australia. Yeah. Um, more than happy. Yeah, saying. more than happy. Um, do we eradicate it from Australia knowing full mm. well that it's almost mm. extinct in the wild? I don't think so. No. You know, it's, you know, I think we just learn to manage some mm. of our plants. I think, mm. you know, people have this thing about certain plants that, you know, we're scared they're going to go feral in the wild. Fine. Mm. We don't want them to go feral in the wild, but if we manage them in our own mm-hmm. gardens in an appropriate way, mm-hmm. uh, then they're not so likely to. I mean, it's the old agapanthus thing. Take yeah. the flower yeah, heads off. Yeah. You know, agapanthus can't spread madly from its vegetative parts. It can only spread madly from self-sowing of seed. So if you take the dead flowers mm-hmm. off your agapanthus every year religiously, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, so, you know, I think there's a different context with a, a, a species that's potentially endangered in yeah. its endemic homeland. Is that if we've got it growing here, there is a responsibility in a way to, 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 to keep preserve. it going, even if it means, and maybe maybe it's a it's a bit contrived, but even if it means collecting seed or propagation material here and sending it back to its native yeah. and for, for a revegetation. Yeah. Well, program, that sort of yeah. thing can happen. But if we, if we don't do that, it's lost. Yeah. You know, even in its endemic yeah. location. Yeah. So it happens with animals, doesn't it? I mean, zoos do have yeah. a lot of yeah. wildlife. Um, release yeah. programs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, well, there was a wallaby that was on an offshore island of New Zealand mm. yeah. that became extinct here. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and there and there, there it is. You know, you can reintroduce it again. I don't it's know whether we have. A good swimmer. Yeah, it'd have to be a good swimmer, yeah. <laughs> now, we have got a, a, a text message that's come in from Sonia in Broadmeadows, and it's a sort of a, a multiple-pronged attack on us this morning. Uh-oh. Right, number one, uh, she has tomatoes and they are yellowing. 
how does she fix this? I'm assuming she's talking about the yellowing of the leaves as it goes up the plant maybe or if the whole plant's yellowing. Is there is there something going around at the oh, moment we should be aware of? No. Not specifically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tomatoes typically yellow mm. uh, for some reason or another. It's whether it's normal yellowing or, or you know, massive. Something more insidious. Something more insidious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get wilt, you can get... Um, you can get bacterial diseases when you, they'll yellow from the bottom up. A um, couple of things I would say, and I'm sure Karen's got some contribution too, when you're watering tomatoes, try not to get water on the foliage because mm. that'll spread bacterium and disease around the place So, and that'll often come from the bottom up. So watering at ground level, if not drip, is probably better. Um, airflow and um, spacing between plants can cause mm. can cause some desiccation at the bottom. Uh, and if it's just yellowing at the bottom and a few leaves, that's pretty normal. Pick them yeah. off. If it was yellowing in another six weeks or so, every tomato is going to start yeah. doing that at the end of the season. They don't last beyond their fruiting cycle. Mm. So that's kind of normal. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we... I was going to say the same, pretty much the same thing. And just to add in that if, if Sonia's not someone who's grown tomatoes for many years, then people don't realise, and that was one of the... That yeah, that was what's one of the most common questions people ask about tomatoes. Not just not understanding that they just need to have their yellow leaves removed from the mm. bottom. Well, also if you're talking about um, the vining or staking, the big monster tomatoes, which are mm. in mm. technical terms indeterminate, which just means they just keep on growing until the weather stops them or dis- or disease stops them. So if Sonia keeps on just removing and removing, staking, 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 and I'm doing gesturing motions, all the way to the sky, the beanstalk. Then, um, yeah, that, they just keep on growing. But yes, if, if the whole plant wilts, then yeah. or yellows, be, then or, or yeah. if there's curling or other things going on, yeah. then yeah. there might be a bigger there's, issue. There's a very useful chart, diagnostic chart in a book called Tomato No So Grow Feast which I might have had a hand in, and it's, just, it's available in most libraries. Oh, so good. So Sonia could, yeah. Yeah, could have a look at but that. It's a really good diagnostic but, chart. But I want to also say on that is, I mean, we're growing right now all our, all our tomato, tomato crops for seed production mm. are in full swing right now. We're starting to get some fruit ripening up. And if you have a look along the rows of those crops, there's plenty yeah, of dead leaves. There's plenty yeah. of – they're still producing – Heavily and you know still cropping really well, still healthy plants, but there's yellowing on them, yeah, and there's that's just kind of normal. You get to the stage where you just about can pick every leaf off them, and they still yeah, and they'll still keep fruiting. Still keep yeah. fruiting. I, yeah. I don't know how they actually do, especially that, the indeterminate ones, which yeah. will just keep on and, and, and indeterminate because they can't make up their minds. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We better quickly finish the other things that Sonia wants, and I've got a couple of calls coming in on the line. Um, she wants to plant silver beet for the first time. Uh, is there anything she should do with regards to preparation and watering? Silver beet's pretty hard pretty to kill. Pretty straightforward. Leaf crop. So, so you can like sow water. seed or buy a punnet of seedlings. Yep, either. Yeah, and, and, it, and it would be seeds easy. Seed's more fun. Yeah, I've just yeah. done some seed now. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing she wants, uh, she's uh, getting to a certain age at the moment and she feels she needs somebody to come in and prune her fruit trees. Does anybody know anybody around the Broad Meadows area that might be prepared to... Um, prune some fruit trees. I, I think she'll find people, uh, maybe she could send me an email and I'll try. It's my local area. I guess yeah. probably not doing it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Maybe a certain age myself. <laughs> yeah, we're all getting to a certain age. I looked at my fruit trees this year and thought, oh, do I have to prune yeah. the damn things yeah. again? Everybody. Yeah. 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 But I can try and make some suggestions for her. So if yeah. Sonia was to yeah, get yeah, in yeah. touch with you via... Just just look at the um, contact us form on my on the Edible Eden Design Ed, Edible Eden yeah, Design. Sonia, yeah, try that out yeah. and see how you go. And try five coloured chart, which 
Yeah, yeah, the five coloured one's lovely. If you're going to grow silver beet, for your yeah. first time especially, go with the five coloured. Yeah. It's much more exciting. Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. Now, we have got a call that's come in, so we better go to the call. Why do people are ringing. <laughs> Good morning. Hello? 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 Uh, ah, yes. yes. Uh, Hello? Good morning. It's Stephen here. You're on air. Yes, you're on air. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I think there's a little bit of a problem. This is Sonia. Oh. Oh, Sonia. And, and, and the thing about the tomatoes, they're in pots. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm sorry, Sonia. Somehow or another I confused you. Because everything was written up there, I assumed it was just a text message coming through. No, uh, no I can't text. We <laughs> <laughs> should have known. That's, well, that's the age thing again, yeah, isn't well, it? Well, Sonia, yeah. did you get most of what we said? Yes, I did, and it was helpful. Good. The only thing was I do want to contact that person uh, uh, to discuss uh, finding a gardener and a pruner. All right, All right. so if you... Uh, uh, can you go into your computer and find Edible Eden Design? Edible what? Eden, as in the Garden of Eden. Ah, Edible Eden Design. Yeah. If you tap that into your search engine, it should bring up um, Karen's... Um, Website and it will have a contact me uh, button on it. That'd be great. Now, can I just before I, you go? Yeah. I just like to say it's the first time that I've actually listened this year, and it's so nice. You bring back normality, and um, and it's a, it's an area where no one has to mention the virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unless it's a virus of yeah. plants. Unless it's a tomato yeah. wilt virus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, they I... all forget those virus and the tomatoes. They're, they're different ones. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's Thank a you. pleasure, Sonia. Thanks, Sonia. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, now we've got another one, line seven. Hello, Sharon, are you there? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Now, your question is about... Uh, you're from Cheltenham and your question's about leaf miners, by the sounds yes. of Yes, I've got seedlings of... Um, that I've grown from broccoli and bok choy, and mm. both of them have got leaf miner on them. Mm. And uh, apart from plucking the leaves off, of course, being seedlings, that wouldn't be much left. I'd probably kill it. But uh, I'm just wondering, is there anything you can think of to stop them or slow them down? Or the, the lazy gardener's rolling her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As in thinking, oh, what, I, I think I've never had that problem unless they've got much bigger. Mm. When it's really small, that's tricky. Mm. Um, yeah. I would only say pest oil. I think the others might have better suggestions, pest but pest oil. oil, getting more companion plants in your garden. Eco oil by OCP is a really good pest mm. oil. You could try right. that, but I'm a bit concerned. But on a really some, small seedling? I'm a bit yeah. worried about that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, my question is actually where did it come from to be on wrong. such a tiny yeah. little seedling? If it's, mm. if it's, was it, it almost sounds like it was on the seedlings when you got them. How, how small are they? No, I've grown these from seed. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. So and maybe the maybe there's something in the way you're growing your seed. Because um, yeah. if, if, I mean, the whole principle of growing from seed is that you, you know, you get them germinated in an ideal environment and you give them all the best conditions and they're strong, they've, mm. you know, they've got ample light, so they're nice and stocky. Uh. Um, so if they've been stretching or if they've been in mix that wasn't so wasn't so conducive for good mm. initial growth. Maybe the seedlings are a bit weak, weakened to start with. 
I think that's probably spot on. Mm. Yeah, I reckon it could be. I have to I say, if it were me in my garden, I'd just pull them out and start again. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. You're probably only two weeks. Yeah, from... yeah it won't take you long yeah. to get another batch mm. going. Right. I think it's easier to do that than to be spraying things around. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, most vegetables are, in fact, uh, a, a, a seasonal annual. And, yeah. you know, you've generally, particularly with leafy greens and things, you've got plenty of time to get another batch Especially in. Especially now. To, now yeah. is a really good seed sowing time I, I for, totally for those autumn agree. months. Yeah. yeah. What you're saying fits perfectly because I tell you what was interesting. I've always, for years, I've lived in the same house, grown my plants in the same spot. And it, I've been noticing that, yeah, it didn't seem as sunny as it was. And then I noticed next door trees growing. So I've been <laughs> keeping an eye on the sunlight level mm. yesterday. And uh, I'm not getting the sun that I thought I was getting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what we were saying before most edible yes. crops, especially our imported vegetable crops, need a fair bit of sun. And yes. if you're not getting sun in the last week of January, first week of Feb, you're not going to get much no. when, the, when the sun gets lower. So yes, no, you might have you might have to rethink grow. where your veggie patch is. Yes, yes, or where that tree is. Yes, maybe <laughs> the next the door neighbour might yeah. do a little bit of pruning for you. Um, no, it's unfortunately I've got a, a playground park next door, so it's in the park, so I can't control it, but. I can control where my veggie garden goes. That mm. might be a big move, I think. Yeah, sounds like mm. it. But I certainly wouldn't be persevering with seedlings that are looking miserable and struggling. You're better no. to get them out and start again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, well, Thank I hope you. that's some help, Sharon. <laughs> I, I won't pull them out. I'll try some more because I've tried some um, garlic painting it on, so that'll be an interesting experiment. Well, they'll taste better when you cook them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> marinated. <laughs> yeah, marinated in garlic, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I hope that gives thank you some you. idea anyway. Yeah, thank you. That's Bye-bye. a pleasure. Bye-bye. All right. Did that work? I don't know whether it went off or not. It didn't. The light didn't go off anyhow. All right. Now, uh, we might talk about another one of your bulbs, if we could, please, Jane, because it would be a shame not to engage with them whilst you've got these lovely things here. Um, well, do we, we'll stay on warm climate like the Bessera. Yeah. So I mentioned before um, Tigridia. Mm. So generally in this country it's Tigridia pavonia, although there are about 33 different species yeah. of Tigridia. Now, people might know them as... Jockey's caps. Yep, I was going to say there's a common name um, that most people would so know. So back in the 80s, I think it was something that you could find at GJ Coles when they had packeted bulbs. Mm. In, if we remember in the supermarkets, you could buy bulbs. Yes, I remember um, that. We remember. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm old yeah. enough. <laughs> we're, we're all old enough in here. Um, so anyway, it's um, or Mexican shell flower, mm. they, oh. they call it, which is probably a little bit nicer than um, Jockey's cap. But yeah, it just reminds me of horses. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's an easy bulb for a full sun position, well-drained spot, so beautiful in a full sun perennial border. Um, so it has these open flowers, like three-petaled, basically red, orange or yellow, but in the centre um, heavily mottled with dark red oh, and maroon. Um, so if you, if you Google... Mexican shellflower or Tigridia, mm. you'll see what I mean. What they do for the garden is they add some sort of exotic flavour. Like it, it makes it look like it's um, tremendously fabulous 
and that it must be expensive and hard to grow and things. Yeah. But it does it, look very exotic. Yeah, yeah, but they're amazingly easy. They, and you leave them in. You can leave them in until your clump sort of three or four years down the track is is too big and you want to shift some. Um, so they're fairly easy care. They're fairly easy care. Mm. So And they're usually available in their dormancy in the winter. So mm. that's Now, they're normally in mixed-ish colours, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So yeah. the one I've got in front is red. And then mm. we also have a pure white. Um, now, the, the, there is a white called Pavonia Alba, which has that nice spotted middle, but this one is actually pure, pure white. So this is Immaculata, but mm-hmm. it's still a Pavonia. Um, we do have a couple other different species like Van Hute, which is brown um, and a lot smaller flower. So there's a lot of variation. So even if you're growing Tigridias really successfully, it's one of those things that you, you can branch out and try some of the other different species that are amazing. Yeah. Um, Chiapensis is a little white, yellow and brown freckled one that is relatively easy as well. So it doesn't, just because they're hard to get here in Australia, doesn't mean to say that they're hard to grow. Um, so something worth trying. The other one I've got right next to it is, um, it's had about three name changes. <laughs> the poor darling was a Herbertia, then it became a Cypella, now it's Felicalis. So... Um, <laughs> And it is basically a bluey lavender tigridia, if you want. I was going to if, say, it looks if, very similar, doesn't yeah, if it? If you want to butcher its name, the poor thing. Mm. Um, but very similar. So like tigridias, each flower lasts a day, but there's numerous flowers that keep coming. Yeah. The good thing about the Phallocallus calestis is the fact that it gets to like a metre plus tall, so it can go wow. at the back of a perennial border. That is tall. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and beautiful sword-like foliage that's um, quite tall as well. So, And the flowers just waft around in the... Um, in the breeze, it's it's quite beautiful. So yeah. and relatively easy, like a tigridia, to grow as well. Just uncommon here. Yeah. So is it going to be available through Tonkin? So? That, those, both of those. So the Phallocallus and the tigridia are available in our winter catalogue, which is usually about the middle of May, depending on how organised Jane is at getting all the summer stock <laughs> back in the ground. Uh, all right. Yeah. So can, can I? Ask a question? Oh, yeah, no, you go. How tall are the flowers of the blue? Of the of thing the, that looks like a blue pavonia. Yep, so it, with it, a complicated name. It gets, um, yeah, oh, it gets color. to a meter, but the then it, oh. no, that's the, the so the stem. So the stem's a meter high, and then you've got two or three um, oh, different branching stems on the top. Flowers. No, yeah. oh, very yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's mm. really pretty. But not quite as big as a tigridia flower, but just intensely mm. beautiful too. All right. Now, we've got a couple of things here that we should uh, manage. Somebody asked for the details of the alpine plant swap again. Apparently the dog barked and didn't get all of the <laughs> details. Um, okay, so the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria. Now, please, Fermi, if you're listening and I make a mistake, ring or text me. Mm. Um, okay, so it's the buy, swap and sell, and it's on February the 26th. It's a Saturday, and I'm sure that it runs between 10 and 1. But there will be a contact phone number on the... AGS Victoria website if you would like to confirm that. But it's a fun event. All right, good. Um, Now, somebody else has also um, texted in and wants to know the causes and solutions to um, blossom end rot in tomato fruit. Lots of rain this year is the cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) I've had a lot of people speak to me about this this year. And the um, tropical gardeners and subtropicals who get a lot of like get frequent rainfall, rainfall, use liquid calcium, 
which I've never actually purchased, and I assume does does Dickens sell liquid calcium? No, we don't, but yeah. it is available through some. I don't think we've got it on our yeah. list at the moment, but it is it is available through some garden centres. Because we don't usually use it down here, because we don't no. get this much rainfall. But mm. that is the that's more the instantaneous solution. Because if putting gypsum into your soil. I don't believe it's as quick. A, uh, yeah. a Otherwise, northern northern yeah. gardeners would use that more frequently to get the calcium. So I think in. it's there's a combination. It's it's that um, summer rainfall, but which leaches more heavily, Takes and so the calcium's calcium. coming out of the soil. So yeah, a quick fix is to to put it on topically, like foli yes, foliar wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When it's when you can't stop the rain, yeah. you can turn off your irrigation, stop watering, yeah. but you can't get, stop the constant rain mm. that's happening. So. All right, so don't know whether that's a huge help, but anyhow, it's well, it's a seasonal yeah. thing anyway. But I think I think as a general practice. Um, if, I mean, if not that anyone can tell what their calcium is by dipping their finger in the soil, <laughs> no. But if there's a calcium deficiency in your soil, it will show as blossom end rot. Mm. Um, so if there's a, a balanced soil, perhaps there's some soil amelioration you could do in preparation that will will preempt that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, now I probably should remind people that you're on the three CR gardening show, uh, eight fifty five on the AM dial. Uh, we have Tim Sampson from uh, Diggers Club. We have Jane Tonkin from Tonkin's Bulbs. Uh, we have Karen Sutherland from uh, uh, Eden Design. I missed a bit. Edible. Edible. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I knew I'd missed a bit. Uh, and, of course, Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants and the YouTube channel The Haughty Culturalists. So um, we've got a wealth of information here, so why don't you come on board? You can ring us on 94190155 or you can text us on 04888098855. All right, must be my turn. I haven't mm -hmm. talked about anything yet, So, and I did bring some plants in. So let's start with... The little climbing plant I've got here. Um, it's, believe it or not, an Australian native climber. Um, and it's a really weird thing because it's uh, one of two species, one that comes from northern New South Wales, southern Queensland, and the other that comes from Chile. Um, and it's a genus called Berberidopsis. And the Australian one is Berberidopsis beckleri, and it gets these little cherry red... Um, well, they're almost lantern-shaped flowers with a little white tip um, that come out of the axles of the leaves uh, along the stems. It then produces a small berry, sort of burgundy black berry. I've no idea where it's at, whether it's edible or not. not. So that was somebody might like to try it <laughs> and let me know. Um, unlike a good percentage of Australian native plants, it can actually be something of a challenge to grow because it comes from sort of damp foresty conditions so it likes a little bit of shade it likes a little mm. bit of moisture um doesn't like to get wet feet but it certainly doesn't like to ever dry out if it if it dries out even for a few days it will probably collapse and die okay. um but it's a very light twiner, so it would be a really useful plant, perhaps growing up a post in a fernery or something like that that you wanted something pretty for. Which part of Australia is it endemic to? Northern New South Wales, southern okay. Queensland. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, it was in another genus all on its own at one stage, and then uh, I think probably Baron von Mueller put it in that other genus, then somebody else discovered Berberidopsis in Chile because that was the first one that got the genus name. And then at some point or another in the last, 
I don't know, 50 years or so, somebody said, oh, that Berberidopsis looks a lot like that thing from Australia. <laughs> um, and they decided to put it all in the one genus. Um, and I can't even remember what the original genus name for this one was. I'll have to look it up. Um, but it's a really pretty and interesting climbing plant. Uh, it climbs by twining, so it's, it doesn't have tendrils or suckers or anything like that. It just twines around its supports. Um, and I think it's rather charming. So, Sorry, Stephen, is it evergreen? Yes, yes it's yep. an evergreen climb. Uh, the foliage is quite pleasant. It's got quite nice sort of kind of like a young leaves. ivy. Leaf. Yeah, almost. It's slightly lobed on the mm. uh, on the either side of the leaf. Although some leaves will be entire, so you've got this slight variation in leaf form and shape on the plant, which I think is sort of interesting. So um, yeah, so Berberidopsis beckleri um, is an interesting plant, and it's one of those things that. I've never seen it in a native plant nursery. I must find out where the karanga grows it. Um, mm, I've never seen it around in any any nurseries. AB will and, know, won't she? Yeah, so yeah. I might ask yeah. AB at yeah. some stage whether they grow Berberidopsis up there. Um, it's a cool name. It is. It's a it's a really interesting plant. I might add somebody I know was bringing seed in of it at one stage, the Chilean one, and it got held up because the uh, um, quarantine people thought it was a Berberus. Ah, uh, mm. yeah. And they're not well, even vaguely related, yeah, you know. It's or, just or that the name is similar. Don't look anything alike. <laughs> no, yeah. no. In fact, I'm not quite sure where the Berberidopsis name comes yeah. from. I mean, I guess in a sense, if you look at the little flowers of a Berberus, they do tend to have that sort of little yellow belly-like thing. So mm. maybe there's a similarity mm. as long as you squint Looks at it. Looks more like a young flower on an epimedium to yeah. me than yeah. Berberus. But anyway. Customs people probably didn't know it in the they, 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 were, no, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't know what yeah, that so was. Yeah. So anyhow, so Berberidopsis beckleri from northern it's New beautiful. South Wales. It's a really pretty. It's dainty. It's light. It's airy. Climbing plants can be very tricky because they can either be incredible thugs that you've got to manage the whole time. Um, it's a pain for a maintenance gardener yeah, or anyone maintaining their own. Yeah, garden. that's right. Or there's some sort of difficult little prima donna, mm. which this mm. one sort of fits into that group a bit more. Um, uh, and so when you're buying climbers, I always say to people that they're like puppies, they're not just for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you've <laughs> got to manage them, train them, you know, uh, all those sorts of things. Well, and a lot of forest climbers have that habit where they want their roots in a cool root run yeah. and they're striving to get into the sun. Yeah, so yeah they're running up whatever the support is, yeah. which I might add is nearly always some other plant. You know, people go, yeah. oh, I can't grow climbers up my trees. And you say, well, that's, that's how they, they evolve. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do in the wild. Yeah. Um, so it is more a matter of matching your climber to your plant support if you're going to grow a climber through a plant. I mean, you're not going to grow a wisteria over an azalea. <laughs> to use a particularly inappropriate sort of combination. Um, so if you marry the right plants, I mean, I use Virginia creeper quite regularly through small trees mm -hmm. because it sort of wafts mm. through them and then it does this fabulous dangly thing, which I think is just mm. superb. Yeah. And it never seems what? to swamp or smother anything. It's I remember the, the old orchard at St Earth, yeah. um, which was Tommy Garnet and Penny Garnet's yeah. planting, Every fruit tree that was there, all the apples, which were some old vase trained apples, yeah. each had a, a clematis. Yeah, exactly. Aww. Which and, was lovely. And it was fantastic because oh, you get beautiful. this sort of bloom out of season for the for the rest of the tree and yeah. they were symbiotic. They worked perfectly well together. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So yes, yeah, so climbers can be used through other plants, and in fact that's exactly what they do in nature. Uh, funnily enough, they can't find a shed or a fence. Uh, <laughs> is that, is or a that easy to propagate? I find it no, no. comparatively easy to propagate from cuttings. I okay. use a, a, a fogger with a little bit of bottom heat under yep. it, uh, but they strike very quickly uh, in and those sort of And have you got any of those back at the nursery? Like oh, yeah, people... yeah. 
Yeah, I've got plants of uh, Berberidopsis at the nursery. In fact, I've got both species. I've got the Chilean oh, one great. and I've got the Australian what one. What colour's the flower on the Chilean one? The Chilean one is a slightly darker shade of red yeah. and with a fractionally larger flower, but I don't think it's pretty a leaf. Okay. Uh, its leaf is Go a little coarser looking. <laughs> so, so the Australian, I think they're both lovely, yeah. but I think the Australian one holds its own in the foliage stakes particularly. Okay. Um, and they both like similar conditions because they come from much the same sort of habitats in their respective countries. Yeah. So Berberidopsis, very, very Beautiful. interesting group oh, of plants. Can I ask one more what, question? I'm not sure if you covered it. How high did they get? Oh, look, it's not a big, big climber. I mean, it can run itself up to three or four metres reasonably easily if it's got the place to go. But if it hasn't, it'll get to the top of whatever and then just sort of spill mm. down like a lot of climbers will. Can you spell the name out for us again so everyone remembers it? Berberidopsis, I'll try. Well, actually, I've got a label in <laughs> yeah, there. I'll, spell, I'll, spell, I'll, spell it. I'll, I will make sure I get the spelling right. So it's B-E-R-B-E-R-I-D-O-P-S-I-S, Berberidopsis. Thank you, Steve. That's a pleasure, Tim. Looks like a nice veranda plant. Yeah, and that that those tricky areas where people find it hard to put something pretty and inch that's always going to look nice and mm. lush yeah. and of yeah. a, a small trellis that was only or support that was a couple of meters high. Yeah, look, you five. could probably put a big mm, pot in with one of yeah. those sort of metal tripods yeah. or something mm. like that in it and just mm. train a Berberidopsis up it. Um, and it would pretty. probably grow in much the same aspects as you'd grow a hoya, but it would need more water. Mm. Mm. So yeah, so there you go. All right, have we got anybody coming yeah, on board now? Just it doesn't a, look like it. I'm just going to correct something because Fermi has messaged me. <laughs> oh, good. That'd Thank be you, right. Fermi. <laughs> you um, ask him the, to. The buy, swap and sell starts at 11, oh. so instead of 10, but you could get there at 10 and line up, I suppose. Um, yeah. But no, 11 to 1, so that's the one on the 26th of February. All right, so 11 to 1. Yep. All right. All right, fantastic. Um, all right, well, we've got no calls coming in. I'll run the phone number by you again because it would be lovely to hear from some of you. It's 94190155 or you can text us on 0488809855. So don't forget to do either of those things uh, and get in touch with us. And I've got another plant I'll mention here going into a bulbous plant. Yeah. Uh, this is an oxalis. Yay. Um, and it's a very handsome summer-growing oxalis from Mexico uh, called oxalis lassiandra. And it gets large leaves. In fact, that the biggest leaf on this plant isn't actually as big as they can get. So it's, it's quite large leaves. It has innumerable leaflets, about 10 of them, I think, something like that. Um, so you've got this fabulous sort of umbrella-shaped foliage and then you get these quite tall spikes of hot pink, obviously oxalis-shaped flowers. But it's very tall, the stem for an oxalis. Oh, yes, it yeah. is. It, the whole plant is quite a big plant mm. as far as they are concerned. It's really interesting with the genus oxalis because the South African representatives are almost all winter-growing, summer-dormant and the... Central and Southern American ones tend to be summer growing winter dormant. So you have this complete reversal of roles. Um, and there is some edibility with oxaluses. Um, quite a number mm. of the pretty leafed ones are now being thrown into salads. Although it's really interesting because they're full of oxalic acid and in quantity they're not good for you. So in one sense they're really not edible, but that bite they have to their leaves is something that people engage with in a salad. So um, you can sort of use the leaves in salad. I don't know whether this one does it. I must check when it goes into dormancy. But some of the um, summer-growing oxaluses also produce a carrot-like root under the bulbs. And that is seriously edible okay. and delicious. So it's like those uh, – it's like a fat – 
tuberous, like it's the root, but it's really fat, and that's yeah, what you yeah, eat rather than. Yeah, sorry, I sound yeah. stupid right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know where you're coming I can, from. I can see Tuba? it, but I can't describe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, so many of these oxaluses, they produce their classical bulb that they'll grow mm. from. But yes, yeah, some of the summer growing ones will produce then a fat sort of carrot like root mm. that goes down, and that helps take up mu- nutrients and moisture and so forth. And it also holds a lot of moisture. And uh, I've certainly eaten the um, these roots from under Oxalis bowiei. It's one of the bigger growing Oxaluses and gets really big roots. They're almost small carrot size. Um, and just wash them and eat them. They, What's it taste like? They're crunchy. They're, they haven't got a strong flavour. You'd sort of expect the oxalic acid to be in that as well, but it's not. Mm. There's no oxalic acid in these roots. Mm. Um, so they're, they're sort of like eating celery without the strings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So okay. they're crisp and crunchy, but no yeah, okay, strings involved. Yeah, I won't involved. like it then. Don't like celery. Don't you? Oh, well, it doesn't even have a celery flavour. <laughs> no. I, I just think they're very pleasant texturally, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, well, so, a, there is a, well, sort of more commonly known oxalis, the occa, occa yes, tuberosa. Yes, yes, oxalis tuberosa, which has edible tubers. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about that plant. Lots of people love it uh, flavour-wise. Other people don't like it particularly. I haven't cooked it in such a way that it's really engaged So this me. one you would find more palatable than Yeah, because I'd one. use this as a salad thing, yeah. just as a, a, a green thing, whereas the tuberosa you'd used as a cooked yeah, vegetable. Cook yeah, I wouldn't think. I don't, can you, has anyone ever eaten them raw? No, I've never tried it raw. Mm. Um, I've got some in the garden this year. Somebody gave me some tubers last season and I haven't grown it for ages, so I'll put it back in again and I'll have another crack at it. Um... And it does look like a patch of weeds. <laughs> uh, it's not the oh, it's not an overly you don't attractive. Like it, do you? You're not a big fan. <laughs> I, I've, I've, Reluctantly growing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I am struggling with Oxalis tuberosa. I have to say, if it had a hot pink flower. You'd like yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I probably would actually, Karen. But I, I would enjoy it far more if it did that. Um, but um, anyhow, it's you know it's it's a vegetable and uh, it's very well thought of in New Zealand. They grow mm. an awful lot mm. of it there. Mm. Um, uh, but it is, of course, a originally a South American uh, oxalis, and it's been in cultivation for so long it's basically forgotten how to flower. Mm. So it, it, I've never seen it bloom. Um, I'm assuming that the cultivated forms of it have been bred from the tubers for years and years and years and a bit like garlic have basically lost the um, potential to flower. Lost the will. Yeah, can't be bothered. <laughs> or, or been bred out of them. Yeah. yeah. yeah so okay, is... Stephen, before you go on, for everyone out there that heard the word oxalis and went back to sleep, yeah. can, you, can you just assure people that some of them are okay and, yeah. and beautiful? Well, most of them are okay. Yeah, it's really... There's only one or two that are bad. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it's a genus of some six or 700 mm-hmm. species worldwide. We even have our own Australian native oxaluses, one of which that grows at the top of Mount Kosciuszko and is on the endangered species list. Um, so you can't tar a genus with the brush of one or two bad species. Good. I mean, as I point out to people, most people probably wouldn't plant black nightshade, but they'll plant tomatoes and potatoes and they're all solanums. Mm. Yeah, uh, point. You know, so, you know, it's a matter of the fact that we know this plant by its species or its genus name, so we know it by its botanical. If we only knew the ornamental ones as something else and not by their mm. botanical name or the weedy one we only knew of as soursob or something, then you wouldn't mm. have this connection mm. between the mm. two. Uh, and there are some seriously beautiful oxaluses. Yep. All right, mm. we better quickly got, – I've got a couple of uh, questions here. Uh, Anne from Northcote, can she put on echo oil today before the heat of the day? Oh, she's on the phone. Hold on. We'll, we'll pull her up. I'm sorry. I'm uh, misconstruing what's coming up. Anne, are you there? 
I'm here. All right, now, you want to know about eco oil? Yes, I've got a few hours before it gets too hot and I want to do some work around that side of the garden. It'll be in full sun, you know, in the afternoon. So uh, is there, you know, what's the, the maximum temperature that I could work with on application or do I have to wait until the evening and put it on so it's... What are we treating? Um, I'm treating my petosporums. It's a hedge, so it's quite dense, but it'll be... And what's the what's the um, what are we trying to what's the effect what's happening? To uh, the, yeah, sooty, what's the sooty mold. <laughs> sooty mold. Okay. So, well, I think there's a couple of things in this. I mean, we'll always come. I'll always come back to the to the root cause of why you're doing it. So, look, mm-hmm. I'll, we'll set aside the question about sun and eco oil for a sec. If you've got sooty mold, um, there might be other issues going on. There might be some ants going through um, and mm, bringing it up with aphids. Um, so yeah, it could be full of scale. Could be full of scale. There could be all sorts of things going on here. Um, so it depends on how bad the infestation is. Um, yeah. I think generally, if you're putting eco oil on, and it's, it's not going to be 40 degrees today, I think that's going to be okay, and it will have some impact on what your what your pathogen is. Um, mm. So I think to answer your question, you're okay to do it today or right mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd be looking deeper at what the cause of the problem is. Yes, I've had a chat online about it before and we, we think this is probably a good okay. method. It sort of works a bit, so as long as I do it regularly, it seems to have some positive effect. But yes, I'm just wondering, you know, when when you've only got a weekend to work with, um, you can't really be that choosy about your temperatures, but I need to do it. So um, what earlier, would be too as hot? Early in the day as you can. And yep. today, as be... soon as the program's over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or put your no, headphones on and go and do it now. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my earphones on. I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. So you can keep listening to us. That's that's fantastic, Anne. Thank you, team. Further what? to Tim. Good to have you back. Lovely to hear you. And and you. a bit more on what Tim raised. Which I'll just add to what he raised about getting back to the root cause. If you've already discussed this on air before, you might have already gone through this, but using soil ameliorants or using composts and using things to build up the health of the plant to try like Tim said why why is it why is it happening because mm. if you have yes. to keep doing it all the time there's something wrong isn't yeah. it? it's always the case to look at the root cause i mean it might be that they're in the wrong spot or there's not enough airflow or it's hard for us to know yeah. sitting mm. here what mm. causes that to answer a simple question of is it the right time to apply eco oil i would always go back to well, why are we doing it in the first yeah. place it might well be the right thing Yes. Mm. All right. Well, I hope that helps, Anne. Yes, it does. I'm going to give it a bit of a dose of seaweed uh, emulsion and, you yeah, know, good. have a look at it. And But I think it's helped considerably. And I've cut down a big arm of a gum that was um, shedding some sugary sap mm-hmm. down yep. onto the, the like head, you know. It. And you've done a few things suggested by the, the um, experts on the program. So I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. All right, Good. thank you for ringing in and we'll catch up again, Anne. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, now we have Lois. Lois from Mitcham, are you there, Lois? I am indeed, Stephen. Good. And good morning to you all and I thought I'd better ring because um, they might get tired and not come back again. <laughs> but we're so glad that you all have. Good. But um, anyway, um, happy new year to you all, Chinese or otherwise, it doesn't matter. And to you too, uh, so, The year of the tiger. I, <laughs> that's, 
That's true. With the tiger Yeah. A couple of things I'd like to ask you, just to keep you occupied. With the, um, we seem to have had just over the last week, um, possum, I think, eating our smoke bush. Um, another tree, which I'm not quite sure of the name of, um, as well. And they're really denuding the tree. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you and my trees as well. Are they? Yeah. Yes, I'm having serious trouble with the ringtails at the moment in the garden at home. And uh, I'm not sure how the neighbours are reacting to me walking around the garden with a torch late at night screaming at possums. <laughs> Put it this way, as long as you're not in the nude. Yeah, the yeah. I try and avoid that at Macedon. Uh, uh, it can be a little chilly in the middle of the night in Macedon to be wandering around naked. Yes, I, I know, I know, that's right. But anyway, any ideas on deterrence? I mean... People yeah, Stephen walking around the garden with a torch. Yeah, it's my new career. <laughs> I'm going to go around scaring possums. Um, look, there's not an awful lot you can do with possums. I mean, you, you can deter one for a while, then they they get used to whatever you're putting what, down. What about naphthalene flakes and things yeah, like Yeah, well, all those things will sort of often mm. work for a while. Uh, yeah. But then the possums either get used to it or something else happens. Um, uh, I just I just keep praying that the one that's eating the tree, because they often have this thing where a possum will take a set to a particular plant and it will keep eating it and eating it and eating it. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I say a few sort of words at night about, will that one please get hit by a truck? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's a, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Well, I just thought, well... They, if they're out at night and I went out and I was nude, well, that jolly will get bright. <laughs> oh, there you go, Lois. You've just, you've just got your <laughs> own solution. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're, they're one of those things to a certain extent we have to live with. The problem I have with them is if I knew that there was a certain palette of plants they always ate, then I yeah. would stop growing those plants. It would be the simplest <laughs> way around this issue. But you do tend to find that, you know, I can have something in the garden for years growing perfectly yeah. well, and then all of a sudden a possum will take a set to that particular yeah. tree. They must be creatures of routine. They come that, back, they'll what, get a taste. Yeah. yeah, and then if that possum moves on, sometimes that tree but, recuperates. And that's but, where the principle yeah. of using a, a chilli yeah. spray well, I, or... I do love our smoke bush very much, and, you know, just to see if... Um, yeah. And it will be possums. Possums love smoke bush, and I've never been able to work out why. Because if you've ever pruned one oh, or taken sap. cuttings yeah. off them, they yeah. stink and they're sticky and they're disgusting inside the smoke bushes. Unpalatable. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. and you not would possums. not. Yeah, I didn't know possums ate smoke bushes. Oh, they love it. I've got a, a green leaf one in the garden at home, and the top branches mm. were always being Nibble. eaten off. Yeah, well, that's what. What I did with that. mine, though, uh, is Ooh. I cut my smoke bush to the ground. And this year the plant's fine because it's all young, strong, whippy growth and the possums can't climb it. So there's no woody growth in my smoke bush for the possums yes, to climb. Yes, fairly close to uh, a reasonable size lily-pilly. Oh, they'd probably uh, lean over from the lily-pilly. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, but it's a good thing to do with your smoke bush is to coppice them back. They love that. They, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They we they do that every year really. with our yeah. ones at St Earth to be, keep them low as part of a border. Yeah, yeah. So you can prune them back and that will stop the possums at least for a year or so. Anyway, regardless of the um, smoke bush, I did want to ask your bulb lady um, about Gloriosa lilies. Yep. Um, what's the best treatment for them? My husband was given a 
bag of bulbs and he's shoved them in a couple of pots. Um, and they seem one has already reached, I'll go into the old terminology, over a foot, maybe 15 inches. Yep. Uh, but that's the first one that has come up that high. And I've read that they actually are a type of climber because, and you were talking about climbers before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so what is the best thing for them? Most of most of the time, your Gloriosa will naturally flower through January, so yours is coming up a little bit later, and that'll be because you can actually withhold planting. Yeah, you can. No, well, it, it's still growing and will do its thing. You can withhold yeah. planting, um, and a, a lot of the time in the cut flower industry, that's what they do. They plant a certain number one week and then the next week, so that they've got constant. Um, blooms coming. It needs How full... long do the flowers last? Um, generally, each flower will last about a week, but there's more than one flower um, atop that climbing stem. Yeah. So, um, and depending on how many tubers he's planted, too. Oh, right. It right. needs to be a nice full sun spot. Yes. So, um, if it's in deep shade, it will get lots of nice lush foliage, but you probably won't get a lot of blooms. So, nice full sun and keep it. Keep the pot um, moist while it's actively growing. And once mm-hmm. it goes dormant over the winter, you need to move that pot somewhere cool and dry. As it doesn't, doesn't like wet feet through the winter. And if you've only put it in a fairly shallow pot, you might need to tip it out over the winter because they pull themselves down um, and they can be known to grow out the bottom of the pot. It's appearing a bit like a tulip bulb. Yes, yeah, yes. So... Um, if I would prefer you in the old scale to sort of have a pot that's sort of 18 inches to two foot high. It doesn't need to be... I'm, gl- I'm glad you're saying all this because I sort of said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Is he listening? Um, uh, it doesn't I have to, so. the, the width of the pot doesn't have to be that, but it's the depth that it's all about. And, yeah. and your tuber needs to be about four inches deep too. Right. Yeah, and lots well, of food. So he can, you can send him out to give it a liquid feed now while it's, while it's doing yeah. its thing. Very good. As All punishment, right. though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lois, I hope that gives you the answers. And we've got a heap of calls coming in, so we better keep moving along. Well, but thank I'm, you for I'm reading. not going to reiterate too much. We're very glad you're all back. All right, thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, oops. Uh, oh, there we go. All right, Gloria, oops, yep. cut somebody off. We'll try, sorry about please, that. Please ring back. John, are you there, John? John is here, ah, yes. John, how are you this morning? John Bentley from the Melton Botanic Gardens Friends Group. <laughs> good morning, good, John. Good morning, John. We're good. I'm, I'm having a chuckle over your uh, use of technology, Steve. Yeah. Oh, please don't. I mean, I am doing my very best, but unfortunately it's just not good enough. I mean, you can chuckle away. The three of us are sitting here going, we don't know where to help you, Stephen. Yeah, 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 none of these lot are hopeless. Throwing our hands up in the air. So we're very proud of him in here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pump it, him it's up. Great. It's great to have you back. Yeah. I uh, had to change over from another radio station to make sure I caught the... Uh, the opening uh, tune at the beginning. Uh, oh, well, we, we ran it about yeah, three times. times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. So it's your fault. We were waiting for you, John. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I'd just like to um, see if I could just um, announce that next uh, Sunday uh, we've had a, got a public uh, 
um, guided tour. It's for the uh, National Sustainable Living Festival. So we focus on a lot of the um, sustainable aspects of the Friends and the Botanic Garden and the use of um, plants that tolerate a dry climate and um, fairly low um, water requirements. Oh, good. So that starts at um, 10 o'clock next Sunday. But we would like people to book, because, and you have to be um, at least double vaccinated, bring a mask and all that sort of COVID oh, right. stuff yeah. that you have to do. Um, we won't be going inside. We'll um, be looking around the outside of the buildings and things like that and um, hopefully staying socially distanced. But um, if people could ring 9743-3819, that's 9743-3819, or go to the uh, Friends website, which is just fmbg.org.au, or... um, and, and they'll find all the information. There's a little flyer on the website too. Um, but um, we, we get out. We've had to suspend the previous two um, of the last two years. So hopefully this one's looking positive to go ahead. So we're, we're getting a lot of interest now with people booking in guided tours and things like that. Fantastic. The nursery is, has also reopened. That reopened on Tuesday. And so they've got lots of good stock and things. And um, the eucalypts that we um, grew from seed last year, um, some of those are now available. And um, we'll be having a big day on the 23rd of March for the National Eucalypt Day. So we've got a walk at 10 o'clock just at the Eucalyptus Arboretum taken by uh, David and Barb Pye. So you're going to dress up as a gum nut then, John? <laughs> uh, I, I, actually, I, I, I've got a garden tool from uh, Castle Main Garden. I can actually Club see that. The same morning as well. Just a little cap. Yeah, yeah, just a little cap, yes. I think you need a, a gum nut cap. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah. And no, we're serious. And if people wanted to wander out and see some of um, Karen's bush food signs, we've um, ah, yes. got some of those yeah. in um, one of our little bush food gardens there. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really, really good, John. So uh, right. I hope uh, people are listening and they do come on board and, uh, and in fact, come and see the Melton Botanic Gardens. I have to say it's it astounds fantastic. me every time it's I go amazing, down there. It's just truly really remarkable. Garden. It's a fantastic resource for people. It is. All right, well, thank you, John. we better keep All moving right. on. Lovely. Okay. All right. Have well, a good morning. We Cheers. shall. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Now, we've got... Ah. It's amazing what they have achieved with volunteers yeah. in the place. Mm. And it has been all the volunteers. Now, I've got Margot on board. Margot, you've got something to say about possums? <laughs> I have. Um, look, we don't have them up here now that we've moved to um, Kyneton, but when we're in Melbourne, yeah. um, we used to have a method that would get rid of the possums for about three months and then they'd start coming back. But So you just do the... Again, and it's called a high pressure hose. Mm. Now, it, it did help. Yeah. I have heard that. <laughs> yeah, so you go out and you give your possums a good squirt. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. it really would give them a scare, and it doesn't hurt them, you know. Yeah, it makes them clean. <laughs> yeah, and, and they just get petrified, they run away. Yeah. They don't come out, but they start So, so my yelling probably isn't doing as good a <laughs> job as a high get pressure Get a hose now. Yeah, yeah, I'll get a high pressure hose. Oh, <laughs> dear. Vocal cords, no good at all. So yeah, yeah. Very good. All right, thank you, Margot, for your no little worries. bit of input. And we'll... Can I add in one okay. more possible right. thing that I saw yeah. at someone's house? And I haven't tried it yet, but I've been getting ready, which is human hair or hair, just mm-hmm. cut, keep your hair from your haircuts, 
and pop them into little bags, which I suppose have to, the problem is finding something that's not going to rot outside. So you need a oh, nylon like the, bag. stockings. Like the orange bags that you buy your orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oranges yeah. come in. Yeah. Yeah. They're perfect. Or, yeah. or old nylon stockings. Mm -hmm. Yes. If anybody yes, still yes, wears yeah, them. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. Time, <laughs> I don't wear them anymore. <laughs> so you pop, because I looked at her garden and I said, what are those little bags you've got hanging around everywhere? And she said, human hair, and she gets it from the barber, who was a little bit concerned at the time while she was collecting, you know, she making voodoo dolls. dolls or or yes, that's right. Yes. We but, use it for deer yeah. repellent. Oh, so is, it, just, is so, it the smell or what is it? Yeah, it's the, it's the smell of the human hair. And even though it gets wet with the elements and stuff and once it dries out again, it still retains mm. that. So it's supposed to help with deer. So around my erythronium fence I've got... Packets, of, yeah, or a voodoo. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm and weird. How, how long does it <laughs> last? Little straw or? dolls. Um, look, look, they, the Pop research. Them dolls. Yeah. All right, yeah. we, we better, Margot, so, I think you're still there, so thank you again and we'll catch up soon. Yeah. So the researcher no, did that it, um, basically you change it every three months or whatever, but yeah, you go oh, to your local hairdressers okay. and, and plead some sort of insanity of. Oh, they've got it just lying on the floor. Surely they're happy to give it away. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they, they were. Yeah. So that, so we that got you can put it in your hair collection, hair. you yeah. really yeah. weird yeah. person. Yeah. Wow. Oh, dear. There's right. a lot of weird plant people. It's all good. All right, we better yeah. keep moving. Um, Gloria from Bellina, are you there? Gloria? Oh, good morning. Yep. Yes, can you hear me? Yep, yep, we're oh, fine. Good. Um, well, I'm getting feedback. That's annoying, isn't it? Anyway, um... So, I've got two questions. Mm. One is, uh, my viburnums, which are about three metres high, they're on the north back fence, and the lower leaves are sort of going brown. Hmm. Well, the viburnums would be losing their old leaves at about this time of the year, but normally they go yellow and drop off any of the old which leaves. Which viburnum is it? Do you know which viburnum we're talking about? The odor. Uh, um, oh yeah, the thing that's being sold as odoratissima that isn't. Um, right. It's it drives me nuts this because uh, odoratissima is a completely different species of viburnum, but somehow or another uh, the viburnum that's out there being sold as a screening hedging plant has acquired the name. It's actually Viburnum Awabuki for anybody who's interested. Uh, Awabuki. Awabuki is actually the name of that Viburnum, but it's so entrenched in horticulture now as Odoratissimum, mm. uh, I think it's going to be hard to convince the nursery trade to change. But anyhow, all right, so we know which Viburnum it is, so it has quite big, glossy green leaves on it. Yeah, um, yeah. And do they look like they're burning or are they just discolouring? Well, would the lower leaves burn, though? Did you say it was on the north fence? So it's is on it, the north fence. So does that mean it's getting shade from the fence? Like it's on well, the, it's on the southern side of a north fence? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, if it is, it might be shading at the bottom yeah. because it's not getting any sun. Yeah. The top of it might be getting some sun at the top, you know, but adjacent to the fence. Oh, but... no, 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 because they get the sun coming in from the west. Mm. Hang on a minute. Yeah, it's the northern fence, so they have had that. So that, is the is the the plants facing south? Facing south, yeah. I suspect they might be getting shady at the bottom. Mm. It's possible. Shady. Yes, it's possible that that's the issue. Um, it's or, really or hard to say. Silvery before they go brown, mm. or just brown? Yeah, because no. that's it. Mm. Yeah, so that's no. the other thing. Because um, spider mite oh, can yeah. be an absolute yeah. pain mm. in the neck with some yeah. of the viburnums, yeah. particularly yeah. viburnum tinus, but it mm. will affect viburnum mm. awabuki as well. Um, um, 
I don't really know. Mm. Um, it's a bit odd at the base, isn't it? Because usually mm. the tips show yeah. problems. If it was mites, it's probably through the whole canopy. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, and and I think if it was mites, it'd be reasonably obvious that it was mites. I would have thought. Well, they should go silvery before they go yeah. brownie. They have they've not gone silvery. Okay, so it's not that thing. Mm. Mm. Well, it's not often you guys are stumped. No, well, yeah, it's Tim's fault. Um, <laughs> Perhaps maybe this afternoon if you could go out and have a look at where the sun is hitting or not hitting. Mm. Um, uh, say that again. If you, if you go out this afternoon, you know, um, 2, 2.30-ish, mm. yeah. um, and just if you can make a mental note of where the sun is on that row of viburnum. And so you then, think it might be getting burnt? It's either getting burnt or it's getting shaded and we're just a little mm. bit confused because so we're not standing there looking mm. at the hedge with you, Dal. Mm. The, what yeah. the picture in my mind is that the, the plants are on the, the south side of a fence. So yeah. as the sun arcs across the top, the top of the plant are getting plenty of sun, yeah. staying nice and green, but underneath it might be getting a bit shady and therefore they're starting to thin out and maybe yeah. it's dropping some leaves. Ah. Yeah. That's a possibility. Okay. That's all I can come up yeah, with. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Tim, a bit. Uh, I have to say a lot of the evergreen viburnums I don't think make as good a screens and hedges as people think they're going to because they do tend to thin at the bottom. Um, so it might just be the habit of the plant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. so, so don't so think the there's much we can actually help you with on that one, I don't think. Well, what you've said has been a help. Yeah, all right. Well, yes, go out and stand there for a while this afternoon. <laughs> Do some uh, underplanting to fill in the gap. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the other thing too. It could create this amazing space yeah. that you can grow some there's other stuff in. Yes, yeah. exactly. Now, yeah. Well, in fact, in front of them I've got all these lilies, tall lilies growing. Yeah. Now, which, of course, probably die down, so they're probably good whilst they're tall and doing their lily thing. But are, they... are the liliums got brown leaves on the bottom at all too? Nope, nope. Okay. Um, lily foliage, depending on how, how many lilies have you got? Have you got a whole row of lilies down the front of the...? A bit of a drift of them, yeah. Um, is the browning off on the viburnum behind the lilies? Yes, yes. Right. There's, yes. So Tim's, Tim's correct. Um, uh, that it, it's... <laughs> he, he's now looking smug for those who can't see him. So I'll say it again, everybody. It's on air. Tim is correct. Um, now, what's happening is that the sun is hitting the lilies in the afternoon and avoiding not getting through to the viburnum at the back. Right. Right. So it's just a bit of shade mm. issue and die back. Your viburnum's going to be fine. Well, yeah, the vi- um, and the viburnum probably has that in its habit anyway. They, sort yeah, of thin they at the do bottom. tend to thin yeah. at the yeah. bottom. And, Please, please don't pull your lilies out and the saver viburnum hedge. Oh, pull the viburnum hedge out. <laughs> yeah, the lilies is what Jane's saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely think the lilies would, for me, would have precedence yeah, over the What does Craig Wilson viburnum. say? Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no way, I'm doing that. Yeah, no. no that, that's the issue. So both your viburnum will be fine and your lilies look beautiful. And yeah, so you don't have to go and stand out there at two o'clock. We're all good. Yeah. All right. Oh, very good. Now, second question. Yeah. Um, by the way, it's great to hear you guys having so much fun. It is fun. It's got to be fun. <laughs> we, we, so, I, Stephen I tell you set what, the tone we, by yeah. stuffing up the desk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. The one that said he didn't wear nylons anymore. Yeah, and and, and you know, the and, with we're all horticultural actors. We pretend we like each other quite well. <laughs> well you're doing a good job of it, I must say. Okay, good. Um, now I've got a drift of. Clivias yeah. under some lily pillies, and then I've got this spot between. There's a about a three meter gap 
between them and a jacaranda tree with, oh, God, what's it called? Those things that grow under jacarandas. It'll be a plant of some sort. Mm. Hellebore? <laughs> so good. Um, no, no, not Hellebore. In fact, it was uh, Craig that recommended them and they've done... Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But so between the jacaranda and that drift of what I can't remember and the drift up the other end, um, I've got sort of a spotty lawn area and I'd love to put something there. How obviously. much light does it get or otherwise? Well, that's, I think that's why it's a spotty lawn area. <laughs> Yeah, so it's um, comparatively shady, but will it get a blast of sun at any given time? It does, usually around midday, mm-hmm. you know, around that. Yeah, that makes it a bit complicated. Days. I was going to suggest a serious shade-loving plant that's almost unkillable, but if it gets a blast of sun, that will kill it. It is killable. <laughs> yeah, it is killable. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, there's a number of plants that might do the job. Um, how long do you think we get the sun on that spot? An hour, two hours? Uh, Longer in the middle of summer, though. Mm. Uh, hmm, good question. Maybe an hour. Yeah. So yeah. So it's got to be something that's going to cope with shade most of the day, but with a blast of sun with for an hour. With a blast of hot sun, yeah. Which is not an easy sort of thing to. And everybody and, here and is making strange <laughs> facial noises. And, it, and is it dry? Is it dry? Uh, well, if I don't water it, it's dry. Yeah. But are you a good waterer? Uh, not on that spot. No. All right. So it needs to be something that's reasonably drought tolerant. What but about, I can. What I about can. something like, I'm not sure what aesthetic we're going for, but something like a Plectranthus argentatus, which has got that sort of, it yeah, takes the sun pl- and the shade. Yeah, it's pretty actually, tough. That's, that's a good oh, idea. Also, one. Plectranthus monovale probably does similarly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So one of the Plectranthuses could do the job and they're sort of. They'd, they'd grow quite tall. No, 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 no. no. Uh, there are tall Plectranthuses. The Clonii can get up to yeah. a metre and a Not that one. It's this, the one I'm talking about is a grey leaf form. Um, Beautiful. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, so it's quite, it'll, yeah. you'll brighten I've got up the I've a funny feeling it's been pushed into coleus now. Oh, is it? Of course it is. Yeah, could, yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, you'll still probably buy it as Plectranthus um, argentatus. It comes from New South yeah. Wales, has wonderful sort of – it's one of those few silvery foliage plants that actually looks light reflective so mm. that it actually glistens like uh, metal. A lot of grey foliage plants tend to look dry and, and mm. hard. It looks really soft and it, it'll, it'll get to, what, half a metre yeah. as most? And I've got it in a spot that gets full blast of western sun and I've got another spot really? where it gets basically no sun and yeah. they don't look much different. Yeah. So, Thank yes. I've got that out the back. Um, oh, there you are. Some take cuttings. some cuttings. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh. Take some cuttings. Yeah. Uh, it's a great plant, and I would certainly recommend it for that sort of work. And some of the other smaller um, plectranthuses or coleuses or whatever they are now might well work. Uh, the one they call um, dogbane. Um, mm. oh, the do- oh, dogbane. Yep. I've got that too. Yeah, that, that would probably grow quite well. They're yep. not quite as exciting in foliage as the Argentatus. It's lower too. But it's a lowish plant. Smellier. Yeah, and it is smellier, but you only get the smell if you go brushing past it, so you don't have to brush past it. Right. So the um, I'm looking at both of them through the window, actually. Yeah. Uh, the dogbane could be quite... Good. Yeah. So yeah. So maybe um, move some of that into uh, into the gap and start a drift of that. I think would work quite well. And you think the Sylvia, the silver, silver, uh, like Yeah. 
It's yep. quite, quite tall, though. I'm looking at it now. It's quite mm. tall. They're very prunable back, though. Very prunable. Yeah, and in fact, if you got into the regular routine of pruning it back quite hard at the end of winter each year, um, oh. then it would come up to a certain height within the growing season and, and, and not much more. So you could keep it low and compact quite easily. <laughs> Well, it looks like I don't have to go to a nursery. I've just got to... Damn! <laughs> <laughs> that's that's get, not what's meant to happen. Jump on the Digger's website. There's, they're, they're available mail order if you're cutting stuff. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Did you hear that? Available mail order from Digger's. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, a new website, by the way. Can, oh, I, can oh. I do a little plug at some yeah. point? Oh. Well, one, well, we'll say goodbye to Gloria. Gloria, thank you for ringing in, and we'll hopefully yeah, catch thanks. up with you again in due course. Oh. All right. Uh, all right, you Quite said right. something about a new website. Yes, just this week uh, oh, wow. we've launched a brand new website with the Diggers Club so all our 88,000 members across the country can now log in uh, as, as can anyone who's not a member. There's, there's parts, yeah. of the, um, parts of the, the website that are accessible to members only but all, our entire catalogue of um, a library of articles, all of our products, our... Um, information about our gardens, everything is on there in a reformatted um, website. And one of the, the best tools that's sitting on there, especially for this time of the year, looking at sowing into the autumn, is a so what when uh, capacity. Great. There's, there's a, oh, a little filter yeah. you can do. You pick your climate zone, so I'm in the warm zone, mm. Mm. and then it, it lists all the all the different um, so it'll go beetroots, peas, whatever, and you click on that and then it'll take you into all individual varieties. Oh, yeah, so a great little tool for helping people to plan. You know, we often get that question, what can mm. I sow this time of the year? Go to the go onto the shop section, go to seeds to sow now, pick your little zone and away you go. It's all Fantastic. there. All right, that's right good. Okay. Great asset. Now, we have got a text message that, come, that came in that I think uh, either Tim or Karen can uh, deal with quite quickly, and I'm sorry I didn't get to this earlier because it's been up there for a while. Uh, do cabbage butterflies eat tomato plants? Um, no. 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 Yeah, that's the quick answer. But she's apparently got um, some sort of caterpillar that are, in fact, eating her tomato plants. So I guess Are those fruit or the leaves that she didn't say? I know she's saying eating my tomato fruit. Yeah. Oh, so that's the um, oh, it's the moth, the, the Heliothus moth. Yep. Yes, yeah. 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 Is there Again, any... you could you could access tomato no so grow feast book in your library yes. and have a nice lot of information about treating that picking off by hand. Spraying with BT is always good because it's specific to caterpillars. Yeah. So you're only going to get pesty things, um, Bacillus thuringiensis or sold as Dipel. Yeah. I never mm. see the moth yeah. for that thing because I get them occasionally. I know. I know. So with cabbage moth, yeah. I always... You know, yeah, you yeah, see yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah. But I never yeah. see the moth for They're that hiding. one. Yeah, yeah. Really I have hiding. seen the grub from time to time. Yeah, you see, yeah, as I go through your fruit. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah when I'm slicing open <laughs> the fruit yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. spitting yeah. it out. Lovely. Yeah. All right, so that might help. Now, we've got another one, this one on Finger limes, uh, will they be okay planted in the ground in Wandon, currently in a pot? Thank you. The one thing with any citrus in the ground, uh, it depends on the rootstock they're on. Finger limes are often grown on their own roots, so there'll mm -hmm. be a cutting. Uh, it, growing any citrus in the ground directly is a phytophthora risk because they're really susceptible. Um, so if you can get finger limes that are grafted onto a resistant rootstock, that will help. Um, but if you're planting finger limes uh, and then cutting grown, which you can tell by looking at the bottom of the stem mm. to see if there's a little lump, and much better in a pot. Much well. better in a pot. <laughs> well, <laughs> they are cheaper. They're much yeah. cheaper. So you know they're... that they're cutting grown. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same with all citrus. One has yeah. to say, though, it sounds like she's already got it, so it's a bit yeah, late right. to go out and buy one yeah. that's specifically yeah. okay. grafted. Yeah. So if she's already got it and it's not grafted, I would say grow it in a pot. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like, I would say in Wandon growing a pot because they don't like they like they don't mind shade, but yeah, they like warmth. Yeah, so they do like a warmy spot. And Wandon's not renowned yeah. for its. So you might be able to move it onto a sunny yeah, yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, for the winter. Yeah, feed yeah. and water a lot. Though. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, now we've got another one here. Just walked out into our backyard and noticed that our quisquillus is about to flower for the first time. Uh, uh, yes, and it has had a name change as well, uh, but I like the old name. Uh, do, 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 do. I think they're just skiting. Um, <laughs> well done. Uh, so yes, yeah, so know what yeah. is. Uh, it's Can a vine with quite please? striking sort of orangey red flowers mm. on oh. it. Um, How do you spell it? Q U I S Q U A L S I S. Quisquillus, which apparently is a play on words in Latin. Uh, oh, is it? Yes, it's, I've probably got it wrong, but it's something like this or that uh, in Latin oh. um, uh, because the plant was somewhat sort of weird. They couldn't people. figure it out. Yeah, they so couldn't they really figure it Yeah, so they called it quisquillus. <laughs> um, so um, I can't grow it. It's too cold at Macedon to grow uh, that particular vine. Um, but um, it is, it's very pretty. And uh, I think that's fantastic that you've managed to grow it well. Uh, congratulations, Vicky and Peter from Notting Hill uh, <laughs> for growing such a nice plant. It is quite, a, quite an interesting oh, thing. Combretum. Yeah, that's its new name, Combretum, yeah. But it used to used to be Quisquillus. Right. Yeah, it's one of those oh. sort of slightly offbeat things that you don't see around the trade mm. terribly mm. often. Mm. Uh, it might well be one of those things people swap as cuttings mm. or seedling raised plants or whatever. But seeing as there's not actually a question there, I'm assuming it's a Skype. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations. Very yeah. proud. Yeah. Now, we've only got five minutes to go, so I've got to keep my eye on the time because, as we all know, I'm not terribly mm. good with the equipment here uh, and I've got to bring up the next program at the appropriate time and all those sorts of things. So we better is is there anything else you wanted to talk about, um, Karen? That's specifically I was interesting. I'm going to mention a couple of nice garden fillers on the silvery theme. Yeah. And so it's still silvery Australian native. So I've brought in two different salt bushes that you can eat for the leaves. One is old man salt bush, Atroplex nomillaria, and one is Atroplex cinerea. So, um, and I always thought, oh, Cinerea meant silver. Then I looked it up and it meant grey. But anyway. <laughs> Similar. Yeah, yeah. Close. Same, 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 you know. same, same yeah. yeah. Yeah, So uh, the if you go to a fancy, fancy restaurant and they're serving up native foods, you might find, you in Melbourne, you'll find the um, coastal salt bush, Atroplex Cinerea, on your plate because the chefs go and forage that. So mm -hmm. the, um, the other interesting thing, which I don't know 100% if this, I've sort of suspected this, but not quite sure, is that I think the one that is the female plant, so they have they have different colour flowers on each species. Is this yeah. what you were interested in? Or mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, they, uh, they're beautiful plants for a garden, but they do like, uh, they, they prefer full sun mm -hmm. and they don't like to be watered too much. So you do have to zone them really carefully. So if you've got a really arid area in your garden, they're very good for that. And so they can make good garden plants otherwise if they're pruned, because they, the, especially the Coastal saltbush can yeah. get a bit mm. rangy and crazy. But from my observation, the female form has slightly more palatable leaves, but you, mm. you'd have to see it in the – if you're looking in the wild – I'm not 100% sure of that. It's just a suspicion. So if any... I'll go um, with that. Yeah. Any scientific... Sound yeah, positive, um, Karen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> People believe you if you sound confident. <laughs> yeah. 
They can be listening, saying, "No, no, she's wrong. She's wrong." Yeah. How are the chefs anyway. using it then? What is it? Is it? A, oh, they just use well, garnish, it, or is it? Yeah, her? you can use the soft young leaves. They're quite strong. That oxalic acid type mm. thing, or oxalate, or whatever. They, uh, you can chew the tips. So, and they're slightly. Go on, Jane. Anti- chew it. That was an invitation. <laughs> slightly antiviral, but you can use the um, the food. <laughs> yeah, they're strong. You can throw it through salad for colour and just a bit of interest. In or, salad would be great, yeah. and I can imagine them using it. Almost with a red wine jus over kangaroo or something like that. Yeah, too. but you can. Um, oh, we are getting oh, fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so you can also put them on top of uh, a pizza just at the end to um, crisp. Uh, yeah, like a use of mm. rosemary on mm. some pizzas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and deep fry like sage. So you can use them as a okay, like uh, pictures online. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So no, just fantastic. Like a, anyway, that's that's some uses. Oh, and very good in kimchi, especially with like a purple cabbage or something like that, mm. because the silver looks great. And the leaves are so firm that they hold, hold up. their form. Yeah, mm. and they give a bit of saltiness. So. All, right. Mm. All right, well, we better start uh, winding up because we've only got a couple of minutes to go, so we better say our goodbyes and all that sort of stuff. So um, I hope you've enjoyed the program this morning. I hope we didn't uh, frighten you too much with our slightly strange start to the program <laughs> this morning. Um, but we got there in the end, um, and I have to say I've had a lot of fun. I think we all have. So Karen Sutherland from Edible Eden Design, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, thank you, uh, Jane Tonkin uh, from Tonkin's Bulbs, yep. and we'll catch up again soon. Definitely. And Tim you. Sanson from um, Diggers Club, thank you thank as well you. for coming along. And come uh, along and visit the Diggers Gardens. Heronswood's looking spe- particularly spectacular. Oh, good. Right well, now. what a good idea. I think that's a very... day out for you. Yes, a day out for you. So why not do that indeed? So I'm Stephen Ryan. Thank you to the off-air crew for putting up with my... Um, uh, weirdness and and, uh, we will certainly catch up with you all again I'd say next uh, week or at least somebody will and it won't be me Uh, right. so good morning everybody, get out in the garden and enjoy yourselves and we will catch up with you next week